Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of April 30th through May 2nd, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone is doing well out there. While allergy season is still kicking my butt right now, I've got some great news otherwise. Uh, I finally made it back to movie theaters this past Saturday. Uh, my friend Sam Kit was visiting town, and before we got dinner with some other friends, uh, we popped over to the AMC 14 over on 34th Street here in Manhattan and saw the Demon Slayer Infinity Train movie. I actually had to binge the entire Demon Slayer anime the week before to be able to caught up for it, but I'm so glad that I did. Uh, full thoughts on, on the Demon Slayer film and franchise in general will be on my other podcast, yet another anime podcast, but suffice to say, it was great to be back and contributing to Demon Slayer's box office run there with nachos, and you know, I've been trying to cut down on soda, but I made an exception this week, this uh, on Saturday to have soda for the first time uh, back in theaters and popcorn as well. Uh, yeah, it was just great to be back. Um, in fact, you know, contributing to Demon Slayer's box office total actually ties in closely to the top story this week. So uh, let's hop into those domestic box office numbers. Last week, it was a tight race between the Mortal Kombat and Demon Slayer for domestic box office dominance, with Mortal Kombat sneaking out the win over Demon Slayer. However, in their second week, uh, Demon Slayer countered taking home the number one spot across the country with 6.4 million US dollars against Mortal Kombat's 6.2 million. Uh, this is the second ever Japanese film and second ever anime film to ever top the bo domestic box office in a weekend. Uh, the first being, of course, the first Pokemon film back in 1999. Uh, Demon Slayer was in 1,905 theaters. Uh, actually, it grew about 300 theaters compared to last week, uh, with a per theater average of about $3,379. Now, its week-over-week -week drops were pretty steep at a 72% drop uh, this week versus last week. However, that's actually somewhat in line with uh, anime films if they ever last for more than a week. Uh, both the recent My Hero Academia, Two Heroes Rising film, and Dragon Ball Super Broly dropped in the high 60s, low 70s, um, mostly because, you know, in order to see the film, you would have to have uh, already been familiar with the franchise, not quite the same for films like, say, Promare or, or Your Name a couple of years back that are works that don't really have pre-existing source material that uh, users would be familiar with, so not quite as front-loaded uh, as it would be the case here for uh, Demon Slayer um, as well as Dragon Ball and My Hero Academia. Um, so this is definitely a front-loaded uh, niche fan experience, albeit a growing, growing uh, larger niche um, as anime becomes more mainstream. Uh, interestingly, while traditional mainstream Hollywood blockbusters still struggle to hit pre-pandemic levels of revenue um, for weekend box office numbers, it looks like anime fans are sewing up now as much as they did before the pandemic. Uh, so far, Demon Slayer in its second weekend has made 34.1 million US dollars so far. Uh, the most of any non-Pokemon anime film in the States ever. Um, Dragon Ball Super Broly made $28 million by its second weekend, uh, about $30 million in its total run, and My Hero Academia made only $13 million total. Um, I'm thinking perhaps $40 million should be the ceiling on this one for its domestic numbers. And who knows if this could have gone higher, though I think the high drop suggests that um, anyone who was going to see it probably uh, will have seen it by the time it leaves theaters. Uh, the only question I think that remains to be seen will be whether an eventual China release will push worldwide totals for Demon Slayer over the $500 million mark, uh, as well as if other anime studios opt to have this canon movie arc model for future seasons of, the, of their shows. 
Moving to the number two spot, we of course have last week's champion Mortal Kombat. Uh, like Demon Slayer, this one dropped pretty sharply at about 73% week over week, down to $6.2 million in 3,114 theaters, per theater average of $1,999. The master total sits just under Demon Slayers at an even $34 million. Now, Warner HBO Max simultaneous releases all have had fairly steep drops compared to pre-pandemic days, uh, which would normally be in the 40 to 50% 40 to 50% range. Um, Wonder Woman had a 67% drop, and Tom and Jerry's had the best at 53%. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong did about 57% uh, for comparison. Now, Mortal Kombat is steeper than any of those, uh, though I think there are a couple of reasons for that. First, Word of mouth. Uh, of the Warner Brothers releases lately, Mortal Kombat has the lowest cinema score or you know audience ratings. Um, Tom and Jerry had an A minus. Godzilla and Judas and Black Messiah both had an A, and Mortal Kombat has a B plus. Rotten Tomatoes has Mortal Kombat as a 54%, while Godzilla is at 75%. Um, this, combined with it being an R-rated film um, and also perhaps not having some X factor about it that makes you want to see it on the big screen, such as for perhaps the kaiju in Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, means that repeat viewers or those on the fence probably were deterred from seeing the film in theaters um, and opting to see it on HBO Max instead. In any case, the $34 million domestic, combined with another $32 million from abroad, brings its lifetime total up to just over $66 million US dollars. In third place, we have another Warner Brothers simultaneous release with Godzilla vs. Kong, now exclusively in theaters, at $2.8 million in 2,753 theaters, a 34% week-over-week drop for a per-theater average of $1,024. Domestic uh, total to date is $90.3 million, so it should sneak over $100 million by the end of its run. Uh, internationally, it's made $325 million for a lifetime total of $415.6 million to date. In fourth place, we actually have a new release, the horror film from Open Road, Separation. Uh, it made a respectable $1.8 million in 1,751 theaters for a per theater average of $1,028 in its first weekend. And then finally, in fifth place, we have Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon hanging in there as the obligatory family-friendly film to go see, dropping only 21% in its ninth weekend to make $1.3 million in 1,810 theaters for a per theater average of $763. The master total so far is $41.6 million, combined with a 61.9 abroad, giving us a lifetime total of $103.5 million to date. Now, of note, outside of the top five, we had the 10th anniversary re-release of Scott Pilgrim vs. The World at 8th place, making $728,000 in only 152 theaters for the highest per theater average of the week at $4,802. Overall box office domestically this week definitely dropped off uh, from last week's $58 million, obviously with the top two films dropping 70%. Uh, this week's total was $24.2 million. This coming weekend, it looks like the two wide releases are United Artists' Wrath of Man, starring Jason Statham, and Sony's Here Today, uh, the former of which I think will do better based on the amount of advertising I've seen for it. Moving abroad, uh, not much to report on. As noted, Japan is suffering from a theater closures during an otherwise lucrative Golden Week period, and Europe is slowly re planning on reopening. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong has a release date set for May 17th in the UK, and apparently 200,000 movie tickets uh, will be made available for free to help multiplexes on behalf of the British Film Institute. France is also planning to relax lockdown restrictions on the 19th. Uh, in China, though, we do see some action. Uh, this past week, 
weekend was May Day. Uh, you know the you know rise of the proletariat and all that, uh, or the yeah proletariat against the bourgeoisie, communist party, and all that. Um, so it's the May Day holiday, uh, which means a lot of movie tickets. Um, unlike other uh, holidays, you no, know, this one doesn't tend to have as many blackouts uh, of Hollywood films. That said, um, the t- eight of the top ten films were actually new films from domestically in China, um, with only Detective Conan at eight and Godzilla vs Kong at ten. In first place in China, we have the youth romance My Love, a remake of Korean drama On Your Wedding Day, um, making 65.5 million US dollars. However, ratings have been pretty poor, with only a 5.3 out of 10 on Duban and 8.1 on Maoyan, suggesting it should drop pretty steeply next week. Uh, that could potentially be overpassed by the second place uh, film, uh, the historical spy thriller Cliffwalkers, uh, making 40.2 million US dollars in its opening weekend, with a 7.7 out of 10 on Duban and 9.1 on Mao Yan, uh, the highest of most releases. Uh, in third place, we have Home Sweet Home, another thriller, making 19.5 million US dollars. This one has a 5.8 on Duban and 7.9 on Mao Yan. Uh, and then in fourth place, we have the crime film Once Upon a Time in Hong Kong, not no relation to Quentin Tarantino, uh, starring Tony Leung, uh, making just under 14 million dollars. Uh, and then in fifth place, we have police thriller Breakthrough: The Darkness, making 7.3 million dollars. And then just for funsies outside the top 10, the other domestic films are uh, uh, comedy drama Tiger Robbers, a children's television film, uh, Gigi Bond, The Dinosaur Diary, and yet another Dynasty Warriors action film. Now moving back to domestic news, we are seeing acceleration of theaters reopening as more and more people get vaccinated. Uh, these range from very small, you know, openings such as Quentin Tarantino's Beverly Cinemas in LA to the mid-sized uh, Alamo Draft House is reopening its New York, uh, Brooklyn location this weekend, and the LA and Austin by the end of the month uh, to the massive. Uh, notably, here in New York, Governor Cuomo announced yesterday, alongside New Jersey and Connecticut, that movie theaters as well as Broadway museums, restaurants, and retail will have no more capacity limits come May 19th. Apparently, social distancing will still be in fact, so not functionally 100%, but this does remove the cap of only X percent of you know a theater's capacity or 50 people, whichever is lesser uh, per auditorium. Um, I believe it'll be that movie theaters just keep continue to keep that seat in between groups uh, to maintain social distancing, uh, but that should definitely help with um, even potentially uh, next weekend, uh, the Spiral uh, Saw movie coming out, and definitely Cruella uh, and uh, Quiet Place 2 uh, on Memorial Day weekend. Now moving over from exhibition to distributor, we do have a nice little video yesterday from Marvel Studios welcoming us back to theaters. Not gonna lie, it definitely made me choke up a bit. Uh, always seeing the footage of uh, opening night of Avengers Endgame uh, definitely gets me choked up. Uh, buried it within that trailer though, alongside Stanley narration and films we already knew about, were some interesting tidbits. Uh, in addition to a first look at Academy Award winning Chloe Zhao's The Eternals, uh, we got a couple of new title treatments and release dates confirmed for more Phase 4 films. Uh, on July 8th, 2022, we have Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, on November 11th, 2022, we have The Marvels, uh, which is the Captain Marvel sequel. Uh, this features not only Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, but also Tiana Taylor's Monica Rambeau from WandaVision and Iman Vellani's Kamala Khan, aka Ms. Marvel, which will be debuting on Disney+. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is set for February 17th, 2023, and then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is set for May 5th, 2023. Uh, James Gunn has indicated on Twitter that he plans for this to be his final Guardians of the Galaxy film.
Uh, in Marvel adjacent de- news, um, the Morbius film from Sony uh, has moved back a week from uh, January 28th to frame 1st to 28th, 2022. Um, at least that's still happening as opposed to Zack Snyder's DC verse, where he basically confirmed on the social media network Vero that that basically is dead in the water. Warner Brothers doesn't want him back. Uh, we also have some other new movie dates. Warner Brother moves the Hugh Jackman led and Westworld creator Lisa Joy directed Reminiscence sci fi film up a week to. August 20th, as opposed to the 27th, uh, in order to avoid the Sanchi Labor Day weekend, uh, which would happen a week after. Um, it now competes against a Samuel Jackson, Michael Keaton action film, The Protégé, and the Paw Patrol movie. It would have competed against the Universal Amblin film, uh, sci-fi film Bios, starring Tom Hanks, but that actually got picked up by uh, Apple TV Plus and renamed to Finch uh, to run closer to awards season. Um, I guess Apple just likes messing with Tom Hanks and picking up his film to try to get awards nominations. Uh, we also have Gunpowder Milkshake from STX, a female-led accent thriller coming to the summer, um, getting picked up by Netflix. And while you may ha- not have heard um, of what of that, you may have heard of a little company called Nintendo. Uh, in a recent interview, the company president Furukawa noted that they are potentially doing more animated films and TV shows uh, w- with other of their video game properties, aside from Mario, which again, Miyamoto is working with Illumination, the studio of the Minions, uh, on. Oh, we'll see whenever those materialize. At least Dungeons & Dragons has officially film has started officially filming with Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez up in Iceland. I think that pretty much wraps up all the news worth mentioning. There are some streaming numbers, I guess, worth worth touching on. Uh, Peacock apparently now has 42 million registered users. And Warner Brothers is planning on having a $9.99 per month ad-supported version of HBO Max. Uh, but otherwise, it's a light week for the box office this week. Um, you know, I'll probably try to do... Cat, I'll probably try to go back to the theaters again this weekend. Cats Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, and I'll let you know if I do. Uh, but with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Let me know what else I should cover via email at box office watch podcast at gmail.com or on twitter at bo watch podcast uh, you can find our show on spotify itunes and google play make sure you're subscribed and leave a review or at the very least tell a friend any of that helps if you're feeling extra generous consider supporting us on patreon which lets me make not only this show but all the other podcasts i work on Links to all of that will be in our show notes. Uh, the numbers used in the show come from thenumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast. And remember, our watch goes on. Mm-hmm.